0: For our first message today, then we have a split sermon from our pianist, uh, Mr. Art Williams, and he's entitled The Grand Finale. Mr. Williams. Oh, we got a standing room only here this day, I see. <clears throat> One thing good about it is uh, I can see all your faces very well, and you're all looking very bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, as if you're already out to head out to some place. You going someplace right? later? Some... Song lines go, lyrics go, bags are packed, ready to go, taxi waiting, blowing his horn. And it's already been said, some of us have already left. But the important question is, are you ready? Are you ready for the Feast of Tabernacles? We make our plans what we want to do, where we want to go, who we want to see. And hopefully we do this because it makes the feast more worthwhile. We only get out of something what we put into it. Perhaps we haven't seen people in a year and we make plans with them to, to, for an activity. We look forward to seeing them. Some single guys I know, they look forward to the feast because they get to see that gal that they've been writing to for the last year. So the, the planning of the feast, having hopes and dreams, builds anticipation, expectations, hopes, dreams. And it's the time when those hopes and dreams will be fulfilled. Looking around for any visitors that might be passing through, and I don't don't see any. So I'll skip my comment and my invitation to them. But no matter where we go, or even if we stay here, we can put something into it. make the time special and that's up to us to do that where where we go who we go with and that's the physical side of the feast and the, the whole holy day season that God has laid out for us lays out God's plan And they all focus on Jesus Christ. Passover, Jesus is the Lamb of God, our Passover Lamb, followed by unleavened bread. Pentecost, he's the first of the first fruits. Trumpets, he's the returning king with his army to put down the rule of man and to establish the kingdom of God on earth. Atonement, he is our atonement. And tabernacles, this is government on earth, the millennium, wherein we get to participate, to put down the rule of man, dry with the crying eyes, to bring joy to the cast down hearts. And the last great day with the new heaven and new earth, and perhaps in my own speculation that I like to dream about. A time sometime out there after the last great day or during the last great day, there is no end to the last great day, it is eternity. And when perhaps each of you, myself, may have our own planet, our own solar system, that's why the universe is still expanding at an ever increasing rate. So it's something to generate anticipation and expectations for hopes and dreams for the spiritual fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles and the Last Great Day, which is the grand finale of God's holy day season. And so there's one more important question to ask. I ask at the beginning, are you ready? So I'm going to ask the same question again. But not are you ready for the physical feast. But are you ready for a spiritual eternity? I'd like to begin back with the Feast of Trumpets, which is the returning king with his army, Jesus on his white horse, and... We, on our white horse, dressed in fine linen, which is the righteousness of the saints, which is the same linen, symbolically, that the high priest went into the the holies with. Followed by an atonement where the world has become submissive and recognizes God and sees God for who he is and what he is and his son's authority as king Then the millennial rule of Christ, where we in this room will be given a reward. to rule over cities, five, ten, maybe we will serve in the temple. Maybe we will serve in different nations around the world. Whatever it is, whatever position the God the Father and Jesus Christ has groomed us for, to put us in, to serve, and to help. And then the eternal, never-ending kingdom of God with the new heaven and the new earth. So the task before us is to assure ourselves that we're going to be there. It's no good to have hopes and dreams and expectations and anticipations if they can never be fulfilled. So I want to talk about some diversions, some interferences. Things that may preempt Christ in our lives. And they're mentioned in the scriptures on general terms. Things like bondage, yokes, burdens, money, needs. And these can only preempt Christ in our life depending on how we look at them. Because these same things that are Interferences and diversions can be, don't have to be, but they can be him pulling on the reins, him molding the clay. And so if we are humble to him, see through those difficult situations, asking for his guidance and direction, he can do, accomplish two things. His mission of witnessing to the world and grooming you into the reward That he has for you. And so there's a purpose in the things that we suffer. He can use these things that we suffer to help perfect us. Recently, on both commercial advertisements on television and also on some sports shows, they've been highlighting a comment that uh, reportedly was made by the very popular football coach, Vince Lombardi where he said, and I didn't verify that he said this, it's kind of hard to verify it, it's been rumored that he said this. Perfection cannot be attained, but in striving to attain perfection, we obtain excellence. Seems to make sense, because we know we're never going to be perfect like God is, but we are to become perfect or strive to become perfect through the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's the Potter and clay, clay being molded, the rain's being tried for two reasons. One, to see if we'll go down the right path. But a second reason, and that is to give us a choice. Which path? He pulls a little on the left rein to see if we'll take the left fork. Pulls a little on the right, see if we'll take the right fork. That's our impact on what our reward's going to be. Because it gives us the opportunity to make some decisions ourselves as to which path in life we're going to take. And I'm not talking about negative paths or, or going the way of the world. I'm talking about simply, do I go to the left, which may open a whole set of different situations for me, that's going to mold me into maybe a king over 10 cities. And if I take the other path, maybe that's going to be molding me into someone that's out at the corporate headquarter temple over in Jerusalem, okay? if I can use modern vernacular of business world and so neither one's right or wrong it's which way are we going to end up and maybe some of you have done that and I've, I've done this and at the time I did it 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 bothered me kind of because I prayed and prayed and prayed about something and wanted the door to open and and lo and behold the door opened and I took about five six steps toward that door peeked inside, looked around, and said, no way, I'm getting out of here, man. And I ran the other way, and I felt like, well, is that right? I hear something I prayed and asked for, and you open the door, and I, once I see the ramifications of everything that's there, I say, um, that's more of a hassle than I want to put up with. That was basically it. It wasn't that I was afraid of it. It was that I don't want to deal with that. Is that a right attitude? I don't know. I'll probably be told later on whether it was a right attitude or not. You know? But so, he doesn't groom me for that. He'll groom me for something else. But that's where I was at that time. And by trying those reins, I'm sure he learned something about me too. Scriptures tell us About the yokes and the bondage and the entanglements. And there are indications of the danger zone, the diversions and the interference. And those indications are where our mind is and where our lips are. What subject do you personally converse about most frequently? What are the subjects that revolve around in your life? What are the subjects that weigh heavily on your heart? In Matthew twelve thirty four, Jesus says on the last half of that sentence, the last half of that verse, he says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So those things that are weighing heavy on your heart or in your brain or in your mind, what you're thinking about, those burdens, those yokes, those needs, your mouth reveals them. So by the awareness of what we speak about a lot and what we focus on, we can know whether or not we might be in a danger zone or we can make that danger zone and create an opportunity for growth by always relying on Christ. Jesus said, take of my yoke, take of my burdens, they're light. You know what a yoke is, right? A yoke doesn't make your life more difficult. A yoke, you take two animals, you hook up to the yoke, and then the two animals pull together, and it's easier for each animal. But Paul says, don't be unequally yoked. You know, you can design a yoke so that <laughs> one animal is pulling more than the other. And he says, don't be unequally yoked, where... You know, you're you're doing all the work and the other person's playing video games, kind of a deal. It's not a healthy environment. Jesus says his burden is light. Because he can handle all the other problems that you have in your life. He can work them out. And entanglements in our society. What can you be entangled with? You can be entangled with cell phones. How many people driving down the, down, down the road? Technology, gadgets, entanglements. But there's a way the scriptures tell us you can tell whether you're entangled. Because we could say, well, we're entangled with, television, or a certain icon, movie star, at could be anything. There are so many possible diversions today. Could be diverted by clowns. But there's a way to tell if you're entangled. It has to do with the original Greek of the word entangled. Two definitions. One is you're holding grudges. And the second one is it creates anger in you. So if you have something that you think a lot about and it creates grudges or it creates anger, you're entangled. You're too close to it. Get away from it. Get closer to God. Get closer to Jesus Christ, whose burden is light. Whose burden is light. I heard recently, and I don't know the authenticity of it or not, but I I heard, heard recently that on a holy day, there were people of God that were on Facebook debating Hillary's election or Trump's election. I'm appalled by that person. The Day of Atonement isn't about politics of this nation. It's about Jesus Christ. And whether Hillary gets in or Trump gets in, God can work it out either way. It doesn't matter. He, will, he is in charge. He will make it come out the way he wants it to come out. But to be debating of that on a holy day, I don't know. That's outside of my acceptability of actions on a holy day issues of entanglement politics social unrest economics school marriage divorce children grandchildren sickness health growing old all of them are under the control of god the father and jesus christ every one of them Do we talk more about politics and the events of the day than we do about the kingdom of God and the opportunities to be in the kingdom and our possible reward that God is molding us for? The solutions to all of these have one simple word, prayer. Prayer is the solution What do we ask for when we pray? There was a time in my life, it seemed like I prayed for everything else in the world but me. You ever do that? You get so involved with politics and the world and the church and things that are going, you're there praying about everything, but you never pray for yourself. It's important to pray for ourselves. Because we need him. There's a lot to be said about coming up short. There's a lot of instruction given in, in the in the scriptures. Some of them focus on physical needs. It's interesting. The thorn in the flesh, Paul talked about it. Some of us have them. They can be they could be simply allergies, but they show us our fragility. So as reminding us why we need him. Sometimes we take medicines. And the medicines don't work if you have a sinus infection like I do, chronic for years and years and years, decades. You know, it, it's, it's always there. And these physical needs, if they were fulfilled, perhaps would overwhelm us and blind us to our spiritual needs. Paul went to God three times asking that the thorn in his flesh be removed and God said, my grace be sufficient unto you. So it was always a reminder in Paul's flesh. Physical needs, thorn in the flesh, can serve a spiritual purpose. Again, if we respond to it appropriately. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 24, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And the reason is because a rich man doesn't need God. All of his needs are taken care of by his money and by his friends who come to him because of his money. I I worked with an older gentleman early in my career and he was fairly well off. He'd been in the industry for many, 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 many decades. And we were walking out toward the lobby one day, me, another fellow that I worked with, and this gentleman. And the, the guy that I was with there, he, uh, he knew the man better than I did, and worked with him for decades, and said to him, you know, Joe, I hear you're going to have that, that annual party again um, this year. He says, oh, yeah, I do that every year. He says, you know, Joe, a lot of those people that come, they come because of your money. They come because you're, you're putting on this big shindig and they get free drinks and free food. He says, I know, but I don't have anything else to do with my money, so I'll give them a good time. So it's harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. But Jesus followed up and said, nothing is impossible with God. Because you see, it's the attitude of the rich man that's important, and it's our attitude before God as we look at the Feast of Tabernacles as to what it is, what the opportunities are and rejoicing, looking at it both physically and spiritually. In 1 Corinthians one twenty-six, Paul writes, "For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh are called, not many mighty, not many noble, nobles either again, because they can take care of themselves. They have the wherewithal through society, through money, through political contacts to take care of themselves." But there is a criticism that comes and a warning that comes to us in the churches. The very last letter written to the seven churches, the Laodicean church. And perhaps our society can relate better to the Laodicean Church than perhaps any other society before ours, because of all the wealth and riches that we have wealth and riches that we have in our own lives and how that shapes our attitudes. And presumptuously, we assume food will always be in Walmart. There will never be a SWAT team outside of our church gathering us up and throwing us in prison for keeping the Sabbath. The criticism of the Laodicean churches is given in Revelation three seventeen through 19. There's a few more scriptures in that, but I'm only going to read the two. <clears throat> because you say, I am rich and increased with goods, well, certainly there is a nation on earth that is more rich and increased with goods as our nation, and many of us are, and have need of nothing. And there is the attitude, having need of nothing, because they're focused on the physical. You know not that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And that's talking spiritually. So that mental focus, that awareness, that sensitivity, Asking God and praying to see if you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked in the eyes of God. And asking him, I am I rich and increased with goods? And do I have an attitude of having need of nothing? Because I got it all. I got my house with central air and my three cars and my whatever. For evaluation purposes, it begins taking it to God and asking him for how he views us and whether we are there. Continuing in verse 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire, that you may be rich, and white raiment, the white linen of the saints, the returning saints, that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness does not appear Anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And that's the admonition. Physical needs being fulfilled can blind us to our spiritual needs. We're back to the thorn in the flesh. spiritual need. Jesus said the first commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the foundation point. Jesus said pray, when you pray, pray for your daily bread. You know who your daily bread is, don't you? you know who your daily bread is? Jesus said in John 6, 34, I am the bread of life. So the daily bread that we need is Jesus. He that comes to me, continuing in verse 34, they said to him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. And he that believes on me shall never thirst. But I say unto you, you have have seen me and do not believe. And we need this daily bread, the daily prayer of having Jesus Christ direct and guide our lives. To give us the mind of Christ, to give us the heart of God, to give us the soul that is happy, that he is happy with to give us the strength. There's a psalm or a proverb and I didn't write it down. It says that a man who can control his himself and I'm going to genericize this, a man who has who has the strength to control himself emotionally is stronger than a man who takes a fortified city. That's that's like unfathomable. How do you get your mind around that? You can talk about taking some of the great cities in one of the great wars, whether it's Fallujah over there in Iraq or wherever, and you look at all the effort. And if you have a man that can control himself, he's stronger than that man that takes the cities. Takes a lot of strength, and that's why we need the grace of God. And that's why he's given us the opportunity. That's why the sacrifice of his son. The first step to becoming ready for the millennium is to seek things above, as it says in Colossians 3.1, and that begins with seeking Christ in your daily prayer, the life the bread that he has to offer. And then continuing in it, as Paul writes in Romans 2.7, patience and continuing in well-doing we need to see our need for him daily. We need to seek him daily. We need to be outside ourselves looking at ourselves. We need to ask him to tell us how he views us so we can look at ourselves the way he looks at, ourselves, uh, uh, looks at us so we can ask for his ability to change us. And what we need is will. We need to have the willingness to become what he wants us to be so we can re. Be given a reward we can be in the millennium we can be in the last great day spiritually where are we now we're 50 years closer today than what we were 50 years ago that doesn't help much does it <laughs> but there is one thing i just want to bring out and that's syria antiochus Epiphanes, which is the forerunner of the end time beast was the king of syria and he was greek And it's interesting today that Greece is in economic shambles. Syria is in the middle of a civil war and has been for some time. Could it be that he comes out of Syria? There's a scripture back in Daniel that implies the end time beast would come out of one of the four divisions of the Greek empire, which would be Greece, Turkey, Syria, or Egypt. Speculation. Blessings of the kingdom of God, children that are thought to be dead by their parents will be carried out of captivity and given back to their parents. How great is that? You think your children are dead. Here comes this person, carrying them on their shoulders. And before they ask, he will answer their needs. And Egypt and Assyria, they will recognize God. And they will be in tune with Him. All things are ready. I can tell you're ready, bright eyed and bushy tailed. Let's go to the feast, let's enjoy it physically and enjoy it spiritually, and use it to be renewed physically and spiritually, and dedicate the time to him, and rejoice and participate with his joy. And when it comes to participation, there's one night on the feast that you all have the chance to participate in, and that I'm going to put a plug in because i got to put a plug in because there's a rumor out there. There's a rumor out there, and you know how rumors are. There's no, you ver- well, we can't verify this. But. Rumor has it that Elvis is going to be at the fun show. Hey, I don't know. But I want to put in a plug for the fun show, talent show, karaoke show. Because that's a time, whether you have talent or whether you don't have talent, you can still get up there and have fun. And I just want to relate a little story. Many years ago, I had had several opportunities. And one of the opportunities, we went over to Japan. And they have this this whole sequence that they go through. And it was explained to me by the guy I went with. He was an old timer. He lived over there for decades. And they, they took us out for dinner and all that. And then they took us over to the second place, and they didn't tell us what it was going to be. Well, we get in there, and it's a karaoke bar. And so the first Japanese guy, he sits there and sings, and I'm sitting to his right. And I'm like, no, he's not going to do this, is he? He's not going to hand the mic to me, is he? Guess what? Boom, there is the mic. And it's like, oh my goodness, what am I going to sing? And, and they had a, a running menu up there, and I, I, I saw when the Saints Go Marching In. So I, I'll sing When the Saints Go Marching In. So I sang and sang that and I, no I gave it to my guy to the right of me, the old guy, because he probably had an idea this was going to happen. So he sang something and the other Japanese guys all sang something. And we must have passed the test because after that, they took us over to another place, which was kind of a bar environment. Um, but they had a piano there and an open mic and some other mics so you could get up and play and sing, whatever you want. If you had the ability or want to, you didn't have to be good. So later on in the evening, I went up there and entertained him with some Floyd Kramer piano stylings. And it was interesting because afterwards, one of the Japanese guys, one of the higher-ups that we met just there at the last place, he, he comes over and says, I've got to ask you something. I said, well, go ahead. He says how much did your ability to play the piano have in you being selected to come over here to Japan to see us. <laughs> a little insight to probably the way they operate, you know. I th- thought that was amusing that they it didn't have anything to do with it at all. It was just something that a talent that God has given me. But anyways, a good it was a fun time by all and some of them uh, there were some there that wanted me to play the piano while they sang a certain song or whatever. It was a good night to behold. Our fun show can be the same thing. You don't have to have a great talent. Have fun. Have fun at the feast. If you see Elvis, say hello to him, shake his hand, invite him to services.